I'm Yasi Salik, and I'm the host of Bandsplain, a show where we explain cult bands and iconic artists by going deep into their histories and discographies. We're back with a brand new season at our brand new home, the Ringer Podcast Network, tackling a whole new batch of artists, from grunge gods to power pop pioneers to new metal legends, and many, many more. Listen to new episodes every Thursday, only on Spotify. It's the Ringer NBA show presented by FanDuel. The road to the NBA Finals starts now, and FanDuel is the best place to get in on the action. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Quick Bets, which are back and better than ever for the NBA playoffs on FanDuel. Find out what you're looking for faster and easier with more props right at your fingertips. You can check out live bets like three-minute markets and exclusive live bets like quarter player props, player assist combos, and more. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit rg-help.com to learn more about the resources and helplines available. And listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 years and older, 18 and older in D.C., and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit rg-help.com. This episode is brought to you by Visible Wireless. Want a wireless provider that always brings its A-game? Switch to Visible, the wireless company that makes wireless visible. Get a one-line plan with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon as low as $25 a month every month, taxes and fees included. And as if that wasn't already a huge win, you could use promo code RINGER20 to receive $20 off your first month just for listening to us talk about basketball. Not bad, right? You don't need more than one line of wireless to save. Just switch to Visible at Visible.com and use promo code RINGER20. For data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. The Visible monthly rate is $25 per month. What's poppin'? Real ones, Logan Murdoch, Raja Bell. No guests today. We we we're back. All right. Let's we'll we'll we'll, we'll get some guests maybe at some other time. Okay. But you're going to talk to us for the next 50, 50 or so minutes. What's up, Rob? Yeah. I mean, guests are cool, but like, do we do we like need a guest to carry the pot? Like, I don't think we need a guest. I think we could get this shit done. I don't done. think we need one. I don't think hey, we need one. Last, la- what's up? Yeah, I want to say I must give a shout out to uh to this young man who was he hit me in my DMs. Um, when our Steve Kerr pod came out and he said, like, literally brother said, like, he, he was feeling pretty down, man. Like he was in a low place personally and uh, he needed something to brighten up his spirit. And you know what that was for him? What was that? It was a fucking episode of Real Ones. And he was mm. grateful and thankful to both you and I um, and the production team for putting the pot out. And he said it really meant something to him, which I like. It was kind of profound. I don't usually fire back in DMs, but I had to reach out to brother. Like, that's pretty cool, you know? So I think we can do this. I think we can do this. I will say this, man, just as we're getting all mushy at the beginning of the pod. um, Shout out to all our real ones all over, everywhere, man. You know, they always hold us down everywhere. We said this in the two-year anniversary episode, but like, for real, like, thank you so much. You know, I was with, um, I was with, uh, I was at Warriors Media Day and I was, um, Kicking it with the homie Pilo. He's a rapper out of the out of the Bay Area. And it was just talking about how much they rock with real ones. And I was like, take it aback. Like, bro, thank you. Okay, Pilo. <laughs> I appreciate that. Thanks, Pilo. Absolutely. Um, uh, also, shout out to, to Steve Kerr um, for, for, for giving us the time. That was a fun episode. That was really cool. You know? You know, it was really cool. I had a couple people 
who really enjoy Steve Kerr, like friends of mine who listen, but usually don't like hit me on certain guests. And Steve is one of those dudes who gets the people to come out like, yo, that's where he's really good. Like it was a really good interview. I did find it kind of funny how that little clip, how they kind of tagged that where he was like, mm. um, you know, I would bust your ass. And so without the proper context, the way they it thought they were talking about you. social, they thought it was me. <laughs> I saw that. Hey, hey, I'm not going to give. Thank you for the pub. Um, I don't even know the publication, but thank you for the pub. It was completely out of context. You know why? It's because people don't know who the fuck I am, Roger. They don't know who I am. So they were like, oh, we see Roger Bell. (laughs) And obviously they're talking about that. I got I got so many people hit, hit me about that, that Steve would bust my ass. I will say this. I saw Steve the other day. He was walking with a limp. All I'm gonna say is. I think I got a chance. I think I got a Boy. chance right now. I think I got a chance right now. I'm not going to dignify that with the response, man. Okay. What do you want me to like? I, I've never I seen you say, play. No, I've never seen no, no, you play, no, no. so on, I shouldn't do that. I shouldn't judge a book. I just want to say, though, like, I feel like you. I looked at the clip a couple of times, Roger. Okay. I feel I saw your reaction to that. I feel like I'm not going to say you threw me under the bus, but I, you were happy to hear that. You were happy to to hear that Steve wanted that said like what's just bucked up like that. I really felt like you were because you laughed very uncontrollably. And this is coming on the heels of you asking him how annoying I was on the beat. So I don't know. I think you threw me under the bus a little bit. I think I, I just saw your face and I was like, oh, he's loving this. No, well, I was loving it. I didn't throw you under the bus. I was just saying like, how cool it is that they have all these coaches now to play to play with late in the season. But I I did enjoy the fact that Steve's inner like old NBA retired player side came out. I'm, I'm sure it rarely, rarely yeah. surfaces in the locker room, but it happens to me quite often where like some young whippersnapper somewhere thinks that it's like all fun and games. And I was it was cool to see that side of Steve pop up. Like, yo, you got me fucked up. I was like, oh. No, I like, no. Oh. I would bust that ass. I caught, <laughs> it was like I caught a stray, but it was like right there. It was like right. Just like that. Yeah. Right in the chest. Yes. Um, great pod. Make sure you guys go check that out. Um, so it's time to get to the shits. It's media day weekend, Raja. Started off with, um, I think Wizards had... Uh, uh, media day on Friday. Um, Bucks had media day over the weekend. Warriors had media day over the weekend. And then I wake up. I'm on. I'm on West Coast time right now. So I wake up to Brooklyn Nets media day um, with uh, where KD and Kyrie spoke. So I'm just going to give a quick because you know I, I, I Kerm knows this who is who's producing today. Um, I basically. Got up out of bed to do this pod. Like I'm just I'm I'm I, I got here and I'm like okay it's time to go. So I'm looking at some clips. So you know bear with me. Let's 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 talk about the Nets really quickly. Um, I was looking at uh, KD's uh, media veil. Part of which what I sent to you before that we recorded this pod. Where um, I'm just gonna give you the rundown of what he, what he said, and we could just react off of that. Um, they asked him. The local media asked him. Are you surprised to be here after your be in Brooklyn after your trade request? He says no. Management told me I was good, too good to be traded. Fair point. Um, and he talks about how his frustration started when the team went on a, a major losing streak at the end of last season um, while he was out. Um, we will get into the context of that in a bit. 
but that's where his frustrations lied and why he wanted to um, ask for a trade ultimately. Um, he says he signed an extension, um, a four-year extension last summer with the expectation that the, the Nets would have their big three um, of uh, James Harden, Kyrie, and himself. And then they asked him kind of why or wh- where his head is at um, in terms of the, the team he wants to be on. He said he wants to be in a place that's stable and try to build a championship culture. That's the type of place he wants to be. Um, when I just give you all that, you just go from there. What do you, what do you think? What, what do you think of this, of, of, of these, of these quotes? So I watched, I watched the clip and I, I was left feeling like it was, it was not an immature response to those questions. There was a mature thought out, and I know this might not be the popular opinion, but I can't fault a, a, a player for having an idea of what something's going to be and signing up for that. And as you realize in real time that that's not what's going to transpire, getting cold feet and wondering whether or not that's going to be the best place for you in the future. And I've had my thoughts about how Kevin Durant approached it this offseason. Um, and in fairness to Kevin Durant, in full disclosure, I hadn't heard any of those comments. I hadn't heard a reason as to why he really wanted out, right? It was just what was being reported, that this was a trade request and he no longer wanted to be there. But hearing his response and his reasoning for it, I thought it was logical. I thought it was a grown-up answer. Um, And I could understand being in situations. I've been in situations like that where you sign up for something. I've talked about this openly. I signed up for something in Utah, and that did not wind up being what was there. Quickly had the 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 rug yanked out from us, you know, with the Jerry re- retirement and 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 the Darren Williams trade. And so it's not what you think. And, you know, I didn't have the leverage of Kevin Durant in a situation. I wasn't Kevin Durant. But if I had had it, maybe I would have acted differently. That's interesting you bring that up, right? Because the 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 typical narrative of it is, and, you know, I've, spoken on this narrative before which is you signed this and you say you're committed and then after a year you know after a year and where in which you at least on the outside looking in you have built this in your vision vision right you got james harden in here you got you know you teamed up with Kyrie, all of these things um i think looking at it now you kind of just wish that you know if you're going to demand a trade that it was just a lot more well executed Right. Just like um, because you remember KD out of all that whole big three was the only one that signed an extension (laughs) that only came to agreement to sign an extension. So it's it's one thing to say, hey, I I signed with this uh, with I I signed with the big three in mind. Uh, It's one thing to say that if all big three signs a deal at the same time. Right. But when you're the only one that does that. You know, the, anything can happen um, with the other two guys. So I feel like it could have been, you know, this could have been a lot more well executed on his end. Not to say his feelings aren't valid, because absolutely, like he makes a really compelling case. But I just feel like all of the stuff this summer was just very reactionary. Get what I'm saying? Well, I do. And and I could say in one breath that I understand what you're saying and that you're probably correct. It was messy. I don't think that needs to play out through the media. I think if, if I'm saying I thought that 
the answer was pretty mature. I can also say that it would have been even more mature to just go in and keep that quiet and say, look, I don't like the direction that we're going in. Is there any way we could try to facilitate some kind of movement for me? Like those would have been way more mature ways to approach that. So you are correct. Um, I think to some degree, Kevin felt like signing that extension was going to be the first domino and everyone else would fall in place. He could not predict the uncertainty that is Kyrie, the enigma that is Kyrie Irving and how that would play out with the vaccine um, and the mandates that were in Brooklyn. And I, and I don't think he could have foreseen, although he maybe should have, the way James Harden was going to act in that in that situation. Um, so I think he was kind of sitting there holding the bag. And you're right. You've signed up for this. It didn't go the way you thought. But you still, um, having having signed up, it, it not come to fruition, you still have the right, if you're a player, to, to explore options if the team is willing. Now, the team wasn't. And so this is where, this is, if you are going to come back when the team says, because I told you I wouldn't trade him. You remember? I told you when you guys, we yeah. made a joke about it. I said, get your ass ready, bro, because you're going to be right back at training camp. As yeah. long as you're an adult about that and you come back and you're, and you're a professional and we go back to work, if I don't execute this trade, I have no beef with you. Yeah. So being that this this is they're going to be for all intents and purposes the opening day roster is kind of set for Brooklyn, right? They still have a really good team. Sure. What does you think that this um distracts from that at all? I mean, is there is there a, is there a way for them to win 50 plus games this year? I think there is. But a lot of things have to go right. But they're like the ultimate wild card, as they always are in this league. Where do you see? What's, what do you think about the Nets this season? I think the Brooklyn Nets are going to be highly motivated. Um, I think that having Kyrie in place from the beginning of a season, having Ben Simmons in a situation that accentuates his 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 best qualities as a player. Um, is going is going to be a fun thing to watch if you're a Brooklyn Nets fan. Now, now, what we can't predict is is how many games are missed due to injury, how that affects the chemistry, you know, things that are outside of the control. But I, I do think on paper, in a vacuum, the Brooklyn Nets. Yeah, I think there's a road to 50 wins. I think they're they're a very very dangerous you know basketball team. You're getting Joe Harris back. We we very often, because I don't think we ever really gave it enough credit on this particular pod, but every time I spoke to Steve Nash, it was one of the major things that was wrong with their team last year was the absence of a, of a player like Joe Harris. And so, you know, having him back, the pieces that they've added, I think they're going to be a very formidable team in the, in the East and in the NBA. The wild card is, though, it's always Kyrie, right? And Kyrie even talked about just his unavailability and just the um, unpredictability of his availability mm, mm. last season. Bag season. <laughs> not only not only affected, um, you know, his standing with the Nets, but also affected how other teams tried to pursue him or didn't try to pursue him in the offseason. He said that during um, his press conference today. That's the biggest thing because... If Kyrie plays 60, 65 games, and I'm talking about a consistent, you know, 60, 65 games, 
let's get it even to 70. Let's let's get weird. But um, say he gets to that, this team can be really good. But it could also go the other way, like last season, um, where, you know, Kyrie's an expiring deal, you know? He picked up his player option. I was talking to this with Simmons the other day. What if it goes bad? What are the, what what are you seeing with Kyrie in the situation right now? Are you if you have to do an early prediction of how he is going to figure things out or not figure things out? What would you think? He's impossible to predict. He's just he's impossible to predict, and and so I'm not even going to tr- try to really predict what headspace Kyrie is in. I mean, I think if anything, he's he's shown you that. He is unpredictable, so I've got a sample size large enough now. Now, that doesn't make him a bad dude or anything like that. My hope for Kyrie, and I I think he's going to be great on the court, skill-wise, um, production, the things that you're used to seeing. It's box office, as Stephen A. would say. He's box office. My hope for Kyrie is he does one of two things there in Brooklyn, and this would be not on the court. This would be off the court, in the locker room, on the planes, in the hotels, um, in the training rooms, either lead or follow. E- either lead or follow. Don't be in that gray area of I'm not going to follow and and fall in line with the culture that we're trying to establish. Um, and I don't want to lead it either. I just want to do my own thing and kind of be this entity that is Kyrie Irving, third eye open type of deal. There's nothing wrong with having the third eye open, but either lead and try to keep building on the culture that they're trying to establish in Brooklyn or just get in line and follow. And I think that would go a long way if he took that approach for for what Brooklyn wants to do. And quite frankly, for his success on the court, because I know he's going to be great in terms of his individual skills. He's just too good of a player. But their overall success is going to be predicated on whether or not they're all in good headspace, you know, and that chemistry is good. And so for those reasons, that's my hope for Kyrie. I want to get back to Katie really quickly. Um, one of the things that they asked the media, local media out there asked was how uh, Kevin feels about his commitment to Brooklyn after, you know, this off season, you know, the trade request, all those things. He said, um, you got to look at my track record and also know that like how committed I am. It seemed like he was saying I'm more committed to the, how committed I am to the game and I'm committed to this Nets organization um, for the future, I think that you know, based on hearing him on that on that on that press conference, I do still think that like he is in Brooklyn, but it's definitely on notice, right? Because he went cir- he circled back to last season during that that losing streak um, while he was out, as as just zeroed in on that's the reason why like. I saw that it wasn't it wasn't tenable in this moment. And I do want to give some context to that losing streak. Um, first of all, um, Kevin Durant was out, which is a huge deal, you know, which is a very big deal. He's that good. Um, Kyrie Irving was only playing road games, and James Harden was about to ask for a trade. So, I mean, yeah, that's it's a, cool. That's to, a poop show. It's a poop show, right? That is a poop show. What is like that? Definitely is a poop show that could happen this season. That's, <laughs> that's definitely in play, right? Like it's definitely something in play. Now, 
uh, from Ky- I want to play devil's advocate now that Kyrie is not the vaccine requirements aren't as stringent as they were last year. I do think that Kyrie will be available a lot more this season, but what Kyrie better be available all the time. We're not we're not talking about all the I time. Mean, Kyrie? He should be. He's in a contract here. He better be. He wants a new deal. Yeah, I mean, hey, I'm I'm but, operating. Okay, go ahead. Because I'm operating under the assumption that Kyrie's missing no games unless there's an injury or we've chose to rest him this year. Okay, I mean, you also said at the same breath that he was unpredictable. But I just think the overall point is, I do think that Kevin is going to be loyal with the caveat, man. You know, because this can, yeah, he's committed to the organization, but if something like that happens, he just asks for a trade. I, what do you think? What do you think about his availability? Well, you, you know, think you, you, know him better, you know him better than I do, right? You spent more time with him in, in off the court and having meaningful, meaningful conversations. So you, you have a better window into his psyche than, than I do. I would just say that all professional sports players are loyal with the caveat. Or a caveat, sorry. I'm um, not saying this because like, I know him, no. I'm saying this just based on what I've seen. This is my opinion. No, this is not, it's not necessarily I, But like, I think you're we'll right, but happens. I think all players are like that, right? Because I'm loyal until until you prove to me that, like, what my end game is um, and and what what you're able to do to help me procure that aren't, like, this, this don't match, if that makes sense. I'm getting lost in my words, but... If you can't help me get where I'm trying to go, either by roster construction or ability to control the troops or what have you, then, yeah, I don't know that I can waste the twilight of my career here. And I think, again, that's fair. I'm not saying that Brooklyn can't. I'm saying that I wouldn't expect him to be in any other headspace. I'm going to give this everything I have. I've already told you that I was on the fence and may want to trade. If everything goes good and we've got this healthy roster and Let's just be real. You're dealing with two really interesting birds in Ben Simmons and Kyrie as your two and three. You know, if these dudes are, are not, these dudes are, aren't accountable and and this is where we putting all our eggs, you know, in these baskets, like, yeah, man, I'm going to maybe turn around and ask you to get up out of here again. I will say KD and most veteran superstar players, they're not here to build championship culture at this age. They're here to win championships. They're here to There's win. There's a difference. Right. There's a difference, right? You know, because you're building a championship culture is like something that a younger team does. You get what I'm saying? Where where they want to well, contend for titles. Yeah, but I mean, you're still going to have to build because there was no championship culture in Brooklyn. There is none, right? So sure. you still have to build it, but that's an expedited building process. This isn't a three-year, you know, experiment. I mean, it is at this point, but that's not what you're signing up for. You're thinking, hey, we could get on this track year one, kind of like the Heat maybe. Man, we're vying for a championship that first year. And if for some reason we fall short, man, year two, year two we should be favorites. And that they just haven't been able to execute it like that. Then there's the Ben Simmons of it all, right? He got he went on um, Old Man in a Three Pod with J.J. Redick and uh, Tommy Alter. Shout out. Um and they asked him about the play. And he said that um, also it's a great interview. You guys should just go listen to it all the way. But one of the interesting things that he said, he, he, he finally addressed the play in, in, uh, in Philly against Atlanta. Said that um, he thought that uh, he, all he saw was a black jersey. And then he saw Matisse Thibel 
as a very athletic person that can that can punch it. He says in in hindsight he wished he would have punched it himself, and it was just a it was just a messed up basketball play. Um, and but he seemed ready to go during that whole podcast, right? He was drinking wine. It was vibes. He had on probably like a three thousand dollars shirt. Um, you know, it was just he was just looking <laughs> looking like that, looking like a don. Um, is he going to be ready this season? Yeah, yeah. But again, I I want to qualify everything I say about him and Kyrie by first saying when you're dealing with with people who have at least in recent past with Ben had, you know, issues off the court, you know, and you, it's hard to say, right. Is that a fair way to put that? Like, it's hard to say. Um, And I don't mean to, you know, I'm not trying to make light of of anything that, that went on with him with mental health and so on and so forth. But both of those guys have had, had their issues off the court. And, and at that, has affected their ability to be on the court. And so for that reason, it's kind of hard to say. I think on the court, he's going to be great. I think his skill set is a perfect fit for pairing him with KD and Kyrie, um, Patty Mills, Joe Harris, you know, Royce O'Neal, uh, which Morris did they get? Was it Markeith, I believe? Um, you know, TJ Warren. I think all that, that's a lot of scoring and a lot of shooting, man. And this cat can get that thing off the glass and push it and facilitate as well as anybody in the league. He's a Swiss army knife defensively. Um, you're not going to have to ask him to, to, to shoot when he doesn't feel comfortable shooting, just attack the rim and kick out. I believe it to be a really, really good fit, but uh, you know, w- what type of headspace are you in is the question. And that, you know, ultimately for him and Kyrie, I think that's going to be, a determining factor in like what type of team I, I believe them to be a really, really formidable team in the East. What headspace are we in? Yeah. Um, that's going to be the, that's going to be the mantra of the season, man. Hey, Brooklyn is going to be talked about throughout the season. Um, it's going to be probably one of the bigger storylines of the sea of the season. Another storyline. And I want to, we, we, if you listen to this pod, um, uh, we've already kind of talked about it in depth. Um, but I do want to get a basketball player's take on the basketball aspect of this situation. And I'm talking about, I'm talking about Boston and the Boston Celtics. I was a little before the MA Udoka situation. I was a little on the fence about the, um, about the Boston Celtics in terms of if they were going to make it back to the, uh, back to the finals in part, because they're two parter one, the KD uh, trade rumors, and we know both know how that affects you know younger players, especially younger players who are faces of the franchise. And I'm talking about Jalen uh, Jalen Brown um, and him being in trade rumors. But the other thing though was, I just I I wanted to see a little bit different my a uh, different outward mindset from Tatum right because he was a little too outside after losing a championship in the way that he did right like I was in a I was talking to Dennis Scott and just just throwing this theory out and he had to tell me that I was throwing the theory of like man I just wish he was under a rock you remember back in you know after if you lose in somewhere in an embarrassing fashion 
as a star player. Typically, those players from another generation just go under a rock. You don't see them for two, three months, right? And I think I was telling 3D that I, I wanted him, I wanted Tatum to just be under a rock for two and a half months. And 3D was like, it's a different generation. It doesn't mean that it's wrong or right. But it's a different generation in this generation. How should I look at the lens of a Jason Tatum or somebody, despite all the things that are happening? What should we expect from the Celtics right now? Like, is it's, it can only go one of two ways. It can go disastrous or it can, like, galvanize. Where do you see this going for this young team? It's a great, it's a great question, Logan. I want to I go back. If you remember when the Robert Sarver thing first broke last year, it was right mm-hmm. before the season, right? I believe. Correct me if I'm wrong, but it was very early in the season, if not like the first week or something. Yeah. And I thought that it would be too much. I said on the pod to for of a distraction for Phoenix to overcome. I thought it was just going to be a mess, right? And all Phoenix did was turn around, and it really galvanized them in a way. They had a great regular season, at least, right? Like they played great. And they, you know, ultimately it didn't work out, but they played great. And so I, I say that to say that my first. My first reaction is like, that's a lot for a team to, to, to process. It's a big, it's a big change in terms of your, your day to day and, and, you know, who you're taking your cue from. And then on the flip side, I'm like, well, you know, this guy's been one of his top assistants. He's been in the Boston organization longer than than Ime's been there. Um, by most people's accounts, he's a really, really bright, uh, connected, relatable coach. So maybe this is one of those situations where something like this may galvanize them in the way that Phoenix looked like they were galvanized last year. But I honestly don't know. I, I My gut, though, says that that's a huge change at such a late point in the summer. Yeah, so, definitely. But I, I don't know, man. It's it's. Interesting because there, I mean, you can definitely compare this to the Sarver situation in terms of how it affects a team, but I think the teams are totally different, right? The teams that are, you, you had, you had been in a, in a unique, the, the Suns were in a unique position where like Chris Paul had just gone through this before, right? And you had a leader in the locker room like a Chris Paul, whereas this team is led by two guys under 30 in their mid twenties, right? And right. Is there you? I feel like you need a guy, and not only is this happening, Robert Williams is out for eight to twelve weeks after knee surgery. So it's gonna be tough. I, I think I'm more in line to think that this is just. It just seems like it's gonna be a punted season, and I could be wrong, but I think this is gonna be just a punted season, just for the simple fact that this is a coach and not ownership, right? It's always easy in the lock. I know Phil Jackson always used to, as a coach, used to just use or uh, ownership with the Bulls and sometimes the Lakers just as like motivational tactics, right? They, they're not even with us. We're going to galvanize and go into this, into this right. cocoon and come out, right? It's a little different when it's a coach and also a coach that was as close as his star players as, as M.A. was. So I, I don't know, man. No, that's that's very true. I would just say though, if they are looking at ownership and 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 the executive offices, I don't have any insight into the situation. But if 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 Boston Celtics team is looking at the players, that is is looking at this like ownership 
did them dirty in any regard. Like, do you know what I mean? Like if that's, it could still galvanize them in a way. Um, I do think it's too much to overcome for a team. And, and I, more importantly, and probably the biggest thing is I just think the East is really, really, you know, with, with Brooklyn back in the mix and, uh, uh, you know, Giannis hasn't gone anywhere. I just think that, that the East is, is just tough. And you just went to the finals last year. You are relatively young. This as late in the game as it's taken place for you. I think it's probably too much. I think you're right. I don't know that I would call it a punted season, but I don't see them back in the finals. Now let's go. Let's go to the Valley of the Sun real quick. You want to go take a trip to Sky Harbor real quick? Oh, go, let's man. get on a plane yeah. real quick. You want to? You want to get on? Want to slide through real quick? Let's go, man. Um, how do we think? We just talk about how this might how the Suns were galvanized last year with the Sarver news. There's more Sarver news in the news, Raja. Does this? Is this more? What does this do? We already see that uh, Jay Crowder. Uh, demanded a trade. I'm not sure if you saw Raja, but he did a whole sizzle reel about his trade request. I, I got to send this to you afterwards. It was all on his Instagram. Um, it was very, uh, it was very millennial. I say that as a oh, millennial. Okay. Um, it was kind of fire though. I'm not going to lie. He started it with like, fuck Jay Crowder, with the crowd yelling, fuck Jay Crowder. It was like, it was like some, some 300 shit. It was tight. Um, but anyway, you, you have this trade request and also, my, I guess my bigger question is, do the Suns, after their summer, have a hole and going into the fall have another like chip on their shoulder? Do you think they got a run in them? No. Nope. You about to get aggregated, bro. Just how you said that. You about to get aggregated. I don't know if you can. I don't know if we I'm gonna stay in Sky Harbor. I don't know if you can you could if you can go no, after that. I no? love I listen, I yeah, I mean shit. You you asked me my opinion. I I I think that that's a lot. It was it was last year. You figured out a way to overcome it. You did not look good in the playoffs. They did they did not look good. Um, we've got another year of tread off of the tire of of Chris Paul's career, and he was he was good. But like none of these things, none of these things are easy bounce backs. And in terms of Chris Paul's health and and ability, like that, you don't get better as you get older. I think they'll still be a good team, but a run in them, like, are you asking if they're going to win a chip? Do I? No, I don't think, I don't think they're, I think they've taken a step back from where they were two years ago. And I think that this mess and kudos to coach Williams and James Jones and front office for, for, for being able to navigate this in the way that they have and have that team play as well as they did through the regular season. But I think at some point it becomes too much. I think I, I lean on the same side with you. I do want to. We had Amino Hassan on last week because um, uh, on the Ringer NBA show with me, Rob Mahoney. I asked him this question. I'm going to ask you this question. Um, since these sons are up for sale, one, you know, I don't know how much money you got on the calls, <laughs> but, um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> but I feel like Phoenix, the whole area of Maricopa County, is a sleeping giant with the Suns. Under the right ownership, I believe that they can just soar. Right? Am I wrong in thinking that? What do you like with just with just great ownership and if you get the right person in place, I feel like Phoenix can be a power just for the fact that every all the stories that you've told me, it's always been a lot of stop and starts. You guys have had the staff infrastructure there, but there was always one common denominator why you guys would just fuck it up. 
And I think that if you guys have a really great ownership, I think that I think that you guys can be a power, man. I really do. Obviously, I've only played, you know, and lived in the cities, the NBA cities that I played for, right? More than more than a lot of people have played for, but still not, you know, never lived in Milwaukee or I didn't live in LA and I didn't live in New York. And so you take that into account. But Phoenix is one of the best cities. Um when things are going well and the teams are good to play in. It was a mag- it was a real magical ride when I was in Phoenix for those years. And and I'm sure, you know, the Dan Marley, Charles Barkley, Kevin Johnson errors, they'd probably say the same thing. Like Phoenix is as good as any place in the NBA. And then when you add to it that it's a beautiful place to live, um, it's a destination. It's got it's got great weather, it's got great food. Um you know, it it it's a really it is really is a cool place, and they just got to get the right recipe out there. They've got good talent. They've got to find the right ownership group, and you know that's above my pay grade as far as who's coming to the table, bidding, what the criteria is going to be for 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 ownership if there is any. But but I hope they get it right because it's a fantastic place, man. I love if I had family anywhere. Even in the Midwest, if I had family that lived in the Midwest, we would have probably set up shop in Phoenix. It just so happened that my wife's whole family and my whole family are literally on the Atlantic Ocean. So we wanted our kids to be raised close to to family. But we loved Phoenix. Kept a home there for, I don't know, seven, eight years. Love it. So also like a prerequisite for any ownership group that um, buys the Suns or is in bidding for the Suns, you got to have a Raj Bell night. <laughs> I'm say that right now. We gotta have a Roger Bell night. <laughs> One thing, no. On a serious note, though, I really wish that, like, and it didn't happen. And I, maybe it happens under another ownership group, but I, they didn't. Phoenix never really like celebrated the past like that, man. You get well, what I'm saying? I really hope that that we can have like the reunion nights for so you can go and have your reunion night in Phoenix. You know, so that team can be celebrated like it should be. You get what I'm saying? I, I do. I got invited back for Steve's. Um, I think Mark West used to reach out for Steve's like ring of honor induction and stuff like that. And I, you know, look, man, I don't, I always say my NBA life was another life, right? I live another life now. Like I'm not really connected to the NBA other than watching it, you know, tapping in with a couple people and talking about it, but because you just can't keep, you know, it's, 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 it's another life, right? Like you're, and so I did not go, but they made, they made, I guess my overall point is they made some efforts to try to get me back for different things. I think it was maybe twice and I didn't make it back. So it's not like they haven't, you know? Um, And I mean, I don't, you know, I I don't know that a lot of, do a lot of NBA teams do that? Uh, I mean, yeah, they do. I mean, the the ones that are functioning. (laughs) That's how you keep the propaganda going, bro. That's how you keep the propaganda going. You get former players. You have reunion nights. You celebrate teams, bobblehead nights. They do. I'm weird like that. I'm weird like that. Look, I don't. That was. You know, it was a great time in my life, man. Like it was, it was a magical ride for my family, myself, my friends, everyone that got to be a part of that. Um, But when I retired from that and it wasn't what I did anymore. I settled into a whole nother life, you know? I and so mm. trying to trying to straddle the two for me is is difficult. I mean, I like I like being low key and 
And you know what I'm saying, dog? I like what I do. I like being around the so creative. You're not gonna with the come, family when they reach shit, out so with like, new ownership, you're not gonna you're not gonna pull up to uh to the to the to the arena, man. I, I mean, maybe dog, but what's I mean, what I'm gonna do? Wave at a couple people? Hey guys, nice day. Thanks for Hey, thanks for having me. You man. Get celebrated, man. Get celebrated. I don't bro. need to be. I'm celebrated every day, bro. I got, I got, okay. I got All four right. of them running around, man. We we do it, but no. Listen, I would if I could help. I guess here's the point. If there, if it meant something to people, and I was helping do something, like yeah, sure, I go back to any place I played. If they were like, yo, man, this would mean a lot to the people. We can get all you guys back, but just just to roll out and throw your hand up at halftime of a game, I'm good, bro. That's a flight. That's navigating the airport. I got to check into a hotel. Come on, you yeah, know me, bro. I feel you. I know that. I honestly, though, like I, I, I feel it. Honestly, I haven't. We haven't talked in a while. Like me and you, I'm a lot more washed now, man. I just, <laughs> I don't like with the backhanded. Yeah, I like that. You're a lot more washed. Okay, I'm a lot more washed now, and I like it. But it's just also, man. Like, do we have to? You know, it's always like, do we, do we, do we gotta do it? Are you, are you sure? I just, I, I'd really, because all you think of when someone asks if you want to do something is. You're messing up my routine, okay? I had my set of what I was going to do today, and now I'm going to go to sleep at 11.30 instead of 10.30 like I wanted to, you know? Yeah, yeah man. I do know. <laughs> you do know. Do. That's oh, why do. you don't never go to NBA games. I do. No, oh, bro. Just when I get there and I'm watching a good game, it's phenomenal. It brings everything back, man. The crowd, you smell the popcorn, the lights, the anthem. The party you feel like, yo, I'm gonna go to more games. The party you be like when you're at the game in the moment, you're like, I gotta go more. What the fuck? I, I need to do this. This is once I'm in my seat watching in the anthem. I mm -hmm. still get chills at the anthem at any level game. When that anthem is going off, bro, it takes me right back. But but uh everything leading up to sitting in my seat, I mean every single part of it is torturous. <laughs> <laughs> but it's just it's not fun for me so what's it like at the end of the game like you went to one game last year you went to one game are you like dude can y'all motherfuckers hurry up and get out of the locker room please like i'm trying to go home or and then the kids are like no pops let's stay or, or are you like no i'm in it let's let's meet let's let's do it or how are you no last year was cool i was in a good i was in a good mood um you know, my wife and I had had a beverage or two, and we were really excited to see people. Brooklyn had a lot of people that I that are close friends of mine that I wanted to see, like you know David Vanderpool and Steve Nash, um, you know Amari, uh, 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 um, uh, you know Goran Dragic was on the team. I hadn't seen him in a long time, so I was really fired up to hang out. Nicholas Claxton, who I played on the national team with his with his father, so his father was in the stands. We were talking, so I got to see Nick. Those those were. Those were really cool people for me to stay and see. So I didn't, it was, it was good. I was fired up to do that. And even leaving, which I'm usually like, oh shit, we got to get back in this traffic. And I was good. We were on a high last year, but for your regular game where I'm not going to have these personal relationships, Logan, it's just that in that arena at the game, phenomenal getting to it, getting everybody down there, beating, get, finding a parking spot, walking in the crowd um, waiting in the lines to get my food or my beer, then doing recognize. Oh my god! Yo, I got lead you, pass, bro. I know, I know, I know, I know. But you did get invited out. Um, you did get invited out uh, this season, so for a game. I don't know if you're, you're going to do it. Or not. Oh, I will for my kids. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm gonna take my kids to see the Golden State. I'm a Steve. If you're listening, Raymond, Raymond, if you're tapped in, oh, I'm hitting y'all up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Raymond. 
Raymond. Raymond. Raymond. All right, man. Let's get to get to a segment we haven't gotten to in a while. You ready, champ? You ready to go? I don't think you're ready. I don't think you're ready for this. I don't know if you're ready for this. I was not prepared for this. I have a retroactive one. We're going to, let's to get everybody started. Real one of the week. Okay. Our real one of the week is a shout out to a person, place, or entity, or an organization that just won the week. It's been a while since we did it. So it doesn't even have to win the week. It's just since the last time we did it. I am going to go with Asia Wilson of the Las Vegas Aces. Um, I wish she was on the Sparks, but she went out there. Got that MVP, got that finals dub, got her first ring. Um, it was it was great, you know. Beat the Seattle Storm, not for the chip, but just you know, put them out. Of, just 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 said Superd retirement pl- retirement tour. Nah, that's over with. I got a ring to win. Got her first one. Asia Wilson, the best player in the WNBA. I said it, and I wish she was on the Sparks. Um, that's my ruin of the week. Raj is catting off. He still is just looking for a real one of the no, week at no, this no, point. I, he needs to get I, on his shit. He's like no. doing research and just going to – I don't know if this is real. Nope. I, I've had this one. I just needed to look up these stats real quick, man. Um, you know I do this a lot. I go football because it's football time of year, right? Basketball hasn't started yet, and you just took the WNBA juice. So this cat is a real one for a lot of reasons. Number one, and I, I – Questioned it. Still do, maybe. But he stood in the face of free agency and his team wasn't giving him what he thought he was worth. Without an agent, he told him, no, nah, I'm straight. We're going to table these negotiations. He's trying to flip the, the NFL on its head with that fully guaranteed. I know what Cleveland did. The NFL owners don't like. But Lamar's like, yo, I'm in conference. I'm in division. I'm, I'm younger. I've never been in any trouble. And I want mine fully guaranteed, too. And so when the Ravens, when the Ravens want to step up and do it, he told them, I'm cool, man. I'm going to play this out. And all he does is continue to raise the market for himself. Now, let me tell you what these boys' stats are so far this year. For a dude who they said couldn't throw the ball, because that's the knock, right? 56 of 88, mm-hmm. 749 yards, 10 touchdowns. All right. Rushing, mm-hmm. he's got over 200 and some yards and a few more touchdowns. Um, he's two and one, should be probably three and oh if it hadn't been for the meltdown against against the Dolphins. But my real one of the week is Lamar Jackson, man. Like what he's doing right now, right. he's on MVP pace. He is playing better right now than he played in his MVP season. I hope it's sustainable. I'm pulling for him. Lamar Jackson. Broward County stand up. What? And that boy's on and he's on my fantasy team. Lamar, you not entertained. Mm. <laughs> Lamar, you not entertained. <laughs> Shout out Florida. Shout out Broward <laughs> County. We see you. Papano's finest, uh, baby. Papano's finest. You know who is not real one of the week? Who's that? Because you just went football. The Las Vegas, Oakland, LA Raiders. Okay. <sighs> I I was I was bamboozled, Raja. Let astray. Mm-hmm. Hoodwinked. Okay. All my partners was like, yo. I'm, you know what? I'm just gonna say his name because he got he got me he got me messed up. I'm not even gonna curse this late the thing. 
Master Tesfatson, who is a big um who is a who is a, a big voice in NFL, gassed me all summer. You know what he said? He said that, oh man, you got Devontae Adams, bro. You got Devontae Adams. It's time to come back. If you're gonna come back to the Raiders, this is the time, okay? Derek Carr's coming off a career season. This is the time. This yeah. is the time for you to come back into the black hole, get a Devontae Adams jersey, lock in. The black hole is back. The silver and black is back. Ever since he said that, it's just been downhill ever since, bro. I watched the game opening day against the LA Chargers, the game you got to win, all right? Lose opening day. Okay, that was cool. You know, 0-1, you know? You know, a lot of Super Bowl teams have won a Super Bowl after losing the first game. It's okay, sorry. And then they just fumble the bag. Against the Cardinals, right? And then, and then but they, last, they let uh, Kyler Murray run around for twenty-one seconds, man. On one play, and then they go to Nashville in a game you gotta win, bro. You gotta win. Battle of the zero and twos. You gotta Titans? beat the Titans. We lost to Ryan Tannehill. This the season is over. Okay. I'm sorry that I just took over real one of the week, but damn it, something need to be said, and I'm pissed, okay? I'm pissed. I came back. The heartstrings were pulled. I really was locked in back into my old AFC West rivalries. I was just all, just all in, and they just lay the egg. So not real one of the week is the Las Vegas, Oakland, Los Angeles Raiders. It's just, it's a disgrace. Just, just, just a disgrace. I think that's where I, we can end. That's a good place. Yeah, to end. I mean, there's I'm nothing else I can say about that. <sighs> Shout out to the Miami Dolphins. Wow, wow, that's a big win, big win, big win over the Bills. Big win by your team, bud. Good job. Um, they're only your team of convenience, though. But it's okay. We're not going to get into that. We're going to just get into next. All right, that has been another edition of um, Real Ones. Uh, we will see you guys next week. We're doing Mondays. We're easing back into the NBA season. Um, we may or may not have a guest for you next week, though. That's popping. Make sure you guys check that out. Um, we'll see you guys next week. Holla. <laughs>